0: Okay, folks, so uh, we begin a little mini-series today which kind of rolls on from what we did when we started the year. You know, we've we've said this year that we're uh, we're sensing that this is a year of opportunity, a year of blessing, a year of favor, a a great year to begin new things and to take risks in Jesus' name. And uh, so we are rising to that. And the curious thing is, as we went away to the National Leaders Conference, uh, two or three weeks ago, uh, there was very much the same sense uh, amongst all those leaders that this is a year of opportunity, and so we want to take hold of that with both hands. And so we've talked a little bit about that. Last week we did a, a kind of thank you to our volunteers. If you're a volunteer and you weren't here, I'm sorry you missed that. You could, I guess, catch it on the podcast and stuff like that. Uh, but, but today we want to start talking about God's vision for the city, And I want to say straight up here that I'm actually not thinking about St. Albans so much. I'm thinking about this region. We've always been a regional church. And in fact, there's probably more people that travel in from outside of St. Albans to this this place than there are who live in St. Albans. Now, we have lived in St. Albans for many years, and then we moved out and all the rest of it. But what I'm really talking about is God's view of the city. You know, life began in the Garden of Eden, but it will end in the city when that glorious city, that golden city, that Jerusalem, that new Jerusalem, if you like, is, is revealed. It will end in the city. And God has a particular vision for cities. But for the purposes of this series of little, uh, series of talks, I'm really talking about anywhere where there is density and diversity of people. Density and diversity. And uh, so you may live in, you know, Wellinggarden City or wherever, or in a little village, as Fliss and myself do, in uh, mark in just on the on the Hertfordshire border. You know, I'm talking about where God gathers people together, and uh, uh, so that's the context for what we're going to say. Now, this is an interesting time for us this new year. Many of you know that we have been praying and working and saving and giving and all sorts of things. To, to really expand what we're doing here. And on the face of it, it's for, you know, for three basic needs that we see in our community. One is, of course, that we want to see uh, our ministry, our compassion ministries, really explode, and they're, they're raring to go, and that's our outreach into the community. We're also wanting to see our youth, who are raring to go, uh, provided for and and given the, the facilities that they need, and similarly for our, our children. So there's a, there's, a, there's a sort of a, a, a need amongst us and in, in our immediate vicinity. But I want to sort of put this whole growing family campaign of phase two thing in the context of God's bigger vision for the city. It's probably a good idea if, you, if I just give you a little bit of an update of where we are in, in practical terms in our journey next door, uh, well, uh, 18 months ago, we cast vision and, and, and sensed that God was calling us to buy the place next door, and we raised £800,000, uh, and then a part of the business plan was to get a, a mortgage as well, and so we were able to buy the place next door, and then I think in the middle of last year, something like that, we, we started uh, uh, raising money to refurb the inside and do some building work and all the rest of it. And, And thus far, if I squint into the sun and what have you, I think we've raised, I don't know the total figure, but I think it's around 350,000 pounds. And in this time, what's been happening? Well, we've got the permissions we need from the council. That was a a mission in itself. We've, uh, the architect has drawn up the plans and we've sent it back and then he's drawn it up again and we've sent it back and we've drawn it and so on and so forth until we've got the plans we need now. We've uh, put it out to tender. We've got the tenders back. We've selected a a builder. Uh, Since I last mentioned this, we've we've done all the due diligence stuff, and that threw up some issues, just checking that the builder isn't going to go bust or run off with our money and all those kind of things that we have to do because we're a registered charity. And this Wednesday, and please remember us in your prayers, this Wednesday the board will be meeting, and all things being well, and you, you know, All things being well, we shall be able to sign the contracts and the work will begin. Now, actually, in faith, the work has already begun. They've been drawing up plans for the mezzanine and all the rest of it. So we're well down the track. Just a little update there. I will say this. We do actually still need, as far as I'm aware, about £150,000. So if you were thinking of giving or if you were waiting for Aunt Nelly to die so that you could give her, you know, part of your inheritance to the church or whatever else, you know. <laughs> Go on, Aunt Nellie, why don't you die? Whoops, sorry. <laughs> I think that's probably inappropriate. We'll have to delete that from the uh, record. No, God bless Aunt Nellie wherever she is. But, you know, whatever, Seriously. Whatever you were doing, whatever you were planning, we would really appreciate it if you could make those, those gifts or those intentions known to us just so that our directors on, on Wednesday and beyond can make a, an informed decision about how we progress this. So that's yet to happen. Right, back to the city. Last week, and it's interesting how these things tend to happen this way, particularly I found it as a preacher, when God has something on his heart... He tends to speak to me, to us, in a variety of different ways. So there might be the germ of an idea. Something germinates there and I think, ah, yes, I think it's time to do this, thus and so. And then in my prayer times, maybe something will jump out at the scriptures at me. And then you go away to a conference or a casual conversation with a friend and, and something leaps out of there. But they all seem to relate together. And it was very interesting, I found, when Richard got up last week doing the notices and prior to the the notices, he I suppose you could say he did a mini preach on Jeremiah 29 and it really impacted me. And I want to revisit that because I think that's very, very pertinent. And then little things happen. A friend, an old friend of mine came to see me. He's now in the southwest of England and uh, he was in the air and he said, can I come and see you? I've got something I want to just sort of think through and... I'm asking a few good friends, and I know that you, as, as far as you're able, Chris, you always try and tell it as it is, so can I come and have a chat with you? So he came and saw me, and basically what he's wrestling with, he's, he's in his late 50s, and, and he's just been headhunted by a very, very dynamic young um, startup company, and he has a, an outstanding track record of, of operating in, in, in the financial uh, area, uh, having been financial directors and what have you, you know, and, and so they headhunted him. And these guys are right at the beginning of their careers and they're pushing and thrusting and raring to go. And he's feeling 58 ish or thereabouts. And <laughs> they're kind of like, oh my gosh. But what he found himself, although he was eminently suited and to the role and took, said yes to the role, he's been a little troubled because he kind of felt that maybe he should be using his time differently. Maybe he should be, you know, not doing, working in the marketplace, and maybe he should give himself more to, you know, the meeting place and the ministry and the charities, and, and he does a lot of that work anyway. And so he's kind of just wanting to make sure that he was on the right track. So he came and sort of shared this all with me and we prayed together, and I couldn't get that Jeremiah 29 passage out of my mind as we were praying. So I said to this friend, I said, you know what I have in mind? Jeremiah 29, when Jeremiah says to those who are going off into exile, he says, look, settle in. You know, build businesses. You know, get married. You know, build houses. Settle in. One day God will bring you out of it, but for the time being, don't resist it, go with it. And so I was able to share that with him. Now, he found, as I, I found it interesting and possibly pertinent, And he found it interesting and possibly pertinent. He'll go away and he'll make a decision on that. But there was a very clear sense in my mind that it wasn't the time to withdraw from the marketplace. But for him in this situation, he had to stay in it and be salt and light. And in many ways, that's what this message today is about. Okay, so without further ado, let's look at Jeremiah 29. And uh, we'll read this passage and then I'll draw a few points out of it and then conclude with some thoughts about the city and God's vision for the city. So, Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning at verse 4, says this. And just so that you know what's happened here, is the children of Israel, who were in the promised land and had settled there for generations, you know, they started being idolatrous. They went, got lukewarm and started... To, you know, their eyes began to wander and what, what's more, their hearts began to wander and they started to water down the, the worship of God and, and started worshiping idols and stuff, God forbid. And so God sent a series of prophets saying, stop it, stop it, do this. If you do this, bless, you know, if you follow me, I'll bless you. If not, then you will you know, draw down curses on your head. And Jeremiah was an uncompromising prophet and for many, many years... Said, look, if you persist in your evil ways, you will be overrun, you will be invaded, overrun, and you will be taken off. And I think when it actually happened, and it did actually happen, the Babylonians came in and carried them all off into exile. It was almost like the people couldn't believe it had actually happened. Even though prophet after prophet after prophet had said, it is going to happen, they, it was kind of like, oh, it'll never happen to us, we're God's people in God's holy city, in God's land. It'll never happen to us, and it did. So as they all get taken off into exile in Babylon, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, Jeremiah writes this letter to them. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Wow. So the prophets are now declaring lies over them. But it's what they want to hear. So lies, what lies? What were these prophets and religious types encouraging the people to do, which was music to their ears, but nonetheless not God's word for them? Lies, what lies? I think I've got a little screen for that. Thank you. There we go. Well, to understand this, we need to just backtrack. The Babylonians had a policy, and they were... The, a world power in those days, huge empire. They conquered many nations, and their policy was this: was that having conquered a nation, they would carry away all the intellectuals, all the gifted politicians, the, the artists, the creative people, all the educators, anyone with any real sort of influence or intellect. Anybody that was, was, was part of the kind of glory of that nation, they would simply carry them away into exile, leaving behind the poorest of the poor, just to kind of keep the, the land alive, as it were, and send grain and grapes and whatever else to, the, uh, to Babylon. Now, when they arrived in Babylon, actually, actually the, the Babylonians were quite enlightened. They weren't like the old Egyptians who enslaved the nations and made them build pyramids and stuff, actually what they did was they said, right, you're here now, yep, settle in, lovely to have you, welcome, good to see you, and what their philosophy was, was if we can get all these great gifted minds and creative people and leaders and all the rest of it together, and they can start investing, and they can, if they make homes and all the rest of it, then we can assimilate them into our worldview, they will become good and faithful Babylonians. And our culture and society will be enriched. And what's more, we'll take out all of those who are potential troublemakers, all those who are potentially going to give us you know, stick in years to come, and they will become Babylonians. And the Babylonian empire will last for centuries. That was the philosophy. And it kind of worked. It was good. It kind of worked. So people arrived, and they were suddenly told that they... Here's a plot of land for you. Or, here, you know, you're, this, this is the business quarter and this is the Silversmith area. You, you, we, welcome. And people kind of, it's kind of a weird captivity. But no, that was the way it worked. Now, the prophets and religious people were saying to the Jewish people, have nothing to do with them. Okay, they've carried you out there. And they have planted you in this horrendous place called Babylon. This huge, this biggest city in the world. Don't, don't. Don't, you know, don't do that. You know, what you need to do is you need to refuse all their hospitality and go down to the River Chadar and build your community down there and we will, we will stay Jewish and we'll stay what we are and we won't have anything to do with these people. And everybody said, yeah, that's great. Yeah, they pulled us out of Israel and all the rest of it. And you know, yeah, we're going to do that. We're not going to, you know, we're going to stay off here in a kind of ghetto and we're going to keep ourselves to ourselves and me, sucks, you know. Sort of, you know. <laughs> well, Jeremiah writes and says this. No, don't listen to that advice. No. Go into the city. Become part of that community. Integrate, but don't assimilate. Integrate. Become part of that community. Build houses. Prosper. Build business, marry your daughters off, marry your sons off. You're gonna be there for a long time. I will call you out of it in due course. It's gonna be 70-odd years, actually. But for the time being, integrate into society, be salt and light, but do not assimilate. That's where the line is. Do not take on the values and the worldview of the Babylonians but be salt and light. Be Jewish in the community, not Jewish down by the river in your own little holy huddle. And that's a word for the church today. We're not called to be little holy huddles off left of center. God calls us to integrate into business, to integrate into education, to integrate into research and science to integrate into the medical profession, to integrate into retail, to integrate into colleges, to integrate at the school gate. Be involved, but don't assimilate the values of the host culture and society because you, brothers and sisters, are salt and light. We are incarnational. That's what Jesus Christ did. God didn't stay in heaven saying, aren't they being naughty down there? Gosh, disgusting, disgraceful, and all the rest of it. God became man in Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. God became man. And yet Jesus, even though he was accused of being a drunkard, even though he was accused of hanging up with the wrong sort of people, prostitutes and sinners, The scripture says that he had no sin in him. You know, it's possible to integrate and to be the friend of all and to welcome all without tossing the baby out with the bathwater, without assimilating the the values of your host society. That's what it is to be a Christian. And that is at the very core of God's call to the church and his vision for the city, density, density, diversity. Let me just give you four little pointers about God's vision for the city. And I'm uh, indebted to many people who've written on this but possibly Tim Keller more than most. But Four things about God's vision for the city. First of all God's vision for the city is that it is a place of refuge. A place of refuge. A place where Women, children, the elderly, disabled, the disadvantaged, the weaker members of our society, if ladies, you can bear being called that, where they are safe. You know, being in open country, inhabited with wild animals, brigands, and all the rest of it, is a dangerous place to be. So God puts his people into community he puts them in this thing he calls city in order to protect and to keep where the the little ones and the vulnerable ones can be cared for where a woman can walk home at 11 o'clock at night and not fear being mugged and turned over and all the rest of it god forbid i'm not sure that we live in that society but that's god's vision The city is a place of refuge. Secondly, the the city is a place of justice, a place where the law is upheld, where laws are made, where the police force and the armed forces provide safety and security. A place where civil servants perform their duties without favor, without looking for a, a bribe, operate with integrity where politicians see themselves as public servants, not not in in it for whatever they can get. I'm not speaking ironically here. This is God's vision. We may be falling short of that, but this is God's vision for the city. It's a place where, where we can explore new ideas. We can debate issues without fear of being attacked and assaulted. It's a place of righteousness, a place of justice. Thirdly, a place of culture. God gives us immense creativity, extraordinary creativity. The arts and creativity flourish in the city. It's a place where songs and dance, a place where there's sport and recreation. It's a place where, and I'm going to include this in this category, if you will, education flourishes. Ignorance and communication is encouraged. This is God's heart for the city, a place where iron sharpens iron, so one artist sparks off another artist, where one musician sparks another musician, and we grow and explore this God-given gift of creativity. And fourthly, and finally in my list of categories, but we could probably have some fun and be profitably engaged in thinking of several others as well. But the city is intended to be a place where one can seek and find God. The city is intended to be a place of spiritual awakening. Now this is God's vision for it. And when God's kingdom is revealed in all its fullness, when that holy city Jerusalem comes down from heaven or is found among us, we will find all of these characteristics and many more alive and well. In today's city, we've got some way to go. Do we agree? Yeah. Now, the, the interesting thing about these, these four categories or about any of these things is that actually, if any one of them begins to falter, if justice begins to falter, for example, if that begins to falter, well, then everything else suffers. It's not just that category that is weak. But we all begin to suffer. If, if the cultural aspects suffer, whether or not you like hanging out in you know, museums or art galleries or singing a song or whatever, it is almost irrelevant, because as a community, if there is no creativity, if there are no arts, if there are no open spaces and parks that we can enjoy with our kids on a Sunday afternoon, if there are none of these things, the quality of life that God intends to be found in the city begins to suffer. Similarly, if the church, religious organizations, are weak, again, it doesn't matter how good the business is, Doesn't matter how good the arts are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If there isn't that recognition that all things come from God and of of his own do we give him, then things get out of kilter. This is God's vision for the city. So wherever God has placed you, he's not intended you to sort of keep quiet, keep mum, keep out of it all, like the, the Jews bless their hearts down at the river. What he's called you to be in politics, in business, in education, in our schools, in our health service, in our retail shop, at the school gate, he has called us to be salt and light, integrated and available, but at the same time carrying with us the light of Christ, not assimilating, Not taking on the values of our society, but carrying with us the light of Christ. And what of us? What of us in this situation? Well, the vineyard in St. Albans, in this region, is uniquely positioned, God has designed this church for such a time as this. God has designed this church for such a time as this. You know, we only have to spend a few minutes... Looking at the news, I mean, I tend now to follow the news on my smart device, lots of headlines. You know, we're, we're dealing with, and I'm not going to call them migrants, I'm going to call them refugees. We're dealing with the refugee situation nationally. We're dealing in our particular vicinity uh, with the impacts of, of our social policies that are really hurting the vulnerable. You know, just this week, as you're probably aware, they've, there's been an overturning of the, of the bedroom taxing because it was realized that it was actually persecuting people with disabled, disabilities who needed a special room for this, thus, and so. It was actually undermining that. And the government has got a, a bit of a juggling act to do now because of that. But we have found ourselves at this time in a place where our society is weak on the visible forms of compassion. There's plenty of people wandering around going, oh, dear, isn't it? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, dear. Somebody ought to do something about it. Oh, dear. There's plenty of that going on, and that's not without value. I mean, I'm not so cynical. But we actually need, as a society, to actually up that, ramp up that compassion that ennobles a city. Diversity, density wherever you are. We need that gift of compassion. Already in our own situation here, and we haven't even started yet next door. We've, we are nurturing and sponsoring a satellite feed down in London Colney. We've helped start another one up in Hatfield. People are coming to us and saying, help us. And it's so much more than food, but it is food. People come for the food because they need the food. But actually, it's so much more than that. But what the church of Jesus Christ can do in this situation as well as uphold the name of Jesus, someone shout hallelujah, thank you, Aye, thank you, but we can actually as a prophetic element, you know what next door is about as members, integrated members of this city, this St. Albans, but this region, this place of density and diversity, we can say we are We are part of this community and we care. And what's more, we'll put our money, our time, our energy where our mouth is to model that the city of God, the place of God we want to live, is a place where the vulnerable are cared for. Thank you. You see, it's more than just providing a room for our young people to put a snooker table. It's more than just a place where our our kids Ministry can have little tiny toilets which are much more appropriate to their needs. It's so much more than that. What this is about is us, the church of Jesus Christ, and in particular the vineyard here, taking our place in God's vision for the city and saying, this matters, and this matters in education, this matters in politics, This matters in science. This matters wherever you and I are sent to work. And we will be salt and light. We will lift up our voice and we will act prophetically to the city so that his city might be birthed amongst us. You got it? This is so much more than a warehouse that needs converting. It's so much more. This is all part of God's grand plan for such a time as this. All right? So, we've made a good start. As we always said would happen, as we got into it, God reveals more and more of his plans for us. It began 18 months ago and a bit more, where we just thought we needed more space. End of story. Now... We're talking about grander visions for the city. God is taking us on a journey and we haven't arrived yet. It's His vision for a church such as this at a time like this. So we will do what Jeremiah said we will pray for the prosperity, we will work for the prosperity of the city because it's God's plan for his people. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless. Let's all stand. Father God, it's such a humbling thought that somehow or other, it seems like by accident as far as we're concerned, but we've been caught up in your plans and we've been caught up in your grander vision and we've been caught up in a vision for the city that place of density and diversity that place of refuge that place of justice that place of culture that place of spiritual awakening and Lord God we want to say to you count us in Lord Count us in. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.